Hi, this is Scarlett again. Welcome back to the Retro Cinema Review Podcast, where I rewatch and review older television and movies. And today we are going to do another revisit of the HBO series Big Love, Season 1, Episode 4, Eclipse. This originally aired on HBO April 2nd of 2006. So we open on Bill driving by himself. It's night out. He's listening to a song called Give Myself a Party by Don Gibson. It's an old country song. I absolutely had to ask my friend Google what the heck this song was. Um, As a side note, what is it with these people and old country music? It's the old, like, 70s, maybe a little bit of 80s country music. Why are they stuck in this era? And Bill, Mr. I'm trying to hide in plain sight as a big polygamist, stop listening to the stupid country music. It's going to tip people off. Oh, I don't know. Listen to something more modern. Turn on the radio, Bill. That's what it's for. For the love of God. Oh. Yeah, he's going to out himself simply based on his music choices. Good job, Bill. So after Mr. Deep and Thought to Country Music arrives home, he climbs into bed with Margie, who says hi to him and how you doing, how was your day, and then says, uh, where's Nikki? It's Nikki's night. You need to go. So he climbs out of bed, goes through all the alarm systems. They're making a big show of how punching the uh, codes into these alarms is annoying, house after house. So then he gets to Nikki's house, and she wakes up again, says hi to him, but says, oh, um, didn't you get my note? I traded nights with Barb. So he leaves and then, I guess, decides he's not going to deal with any more of the uh, punching codes into the alarms and just settles down and sleeps on the couch. (laughs) So the next morning, it's the typical large family, get everybody out the door. Um, We see Barb using a fancy cordless phone. Ooh, 2006. Love it. Um, At Home Plus, you see Bill's tired because he had to sleep on the couch. Oh, poor thing. And he tells Don that he didn't sleep because he was having nightmares all night about being chased. Maybe a bit of a guilty conscience there, Bill. So now it begins. Nikki says she doesn't feel well, and she gets a phone call from the bank regarding her missing payments. Barb walks in, so Nikki quickly hangs up on this poor woman from the bank. And then the woman from the bank apparently tries to call back, and the phone keeps ringing and ringing and ringing. As Barb is standing there telling Nikki, hey, I got called into work, they need me to sub today. But today, Teeny is having some sort of school play. She needs to be the moon for this eclipse play they're having. Can you please, please, please take a few minutes, finish sewing this costume, and then pick up some black tights for Teeny and bring it to after school so she can be in this play. So Nikki's like, sure, sure, sure. And Barb's like, the whole time the phone's ringing, and Barb's like, are you going to answer that? And Nikki's like, nope, it's fine. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Typical Nikki, just shove it under the rug. Keep shoving it under the rug, Nikki. So as Barb turns around and runs out the front door, of course, who's there but creepy neighbor guy from across the street, Carl. I'm sorry, no offense to anybody named Carl, but this guy, 
with the name Carl attached to him just makes the name Carl creepy. There's just something about it. He's got that dopey, creepy look to him. Ugh. Ugh. Gross. So he says, oh, he's looking for Bill. And he has questions about that nice neighbor lady down the street. You know, your tenant with the braid. You know he's talking about Nikki. And you can tell by the look on her face, Barb thinks he knows something. We see Bill, who's at the store, trying to be Mr. Nice Guy. And this police officer comes up, or a guy dressed as one, and starts asking about TVs. And suddenly pulls some papers out of his coat. Tries to act like, oh, this is what I printed out online, or this is what I saw. And after Bill takes it, he says, oh, you've been served and this is from the UEB's lawyer stating that per the agreement, the UEB has the right to audit the books on the stores and walks away. Poor Bill stands there in shock. Uh, like you didn't see that coming, Bill. Come on now. You know who you're dealing with. So then, of course, Nikki, being the peach that she is, tries to push Teenie's costume and everything off on Margie along with Nikki's two unruly kids. And as we know, poor little Margie is already overwhelmed with her two kids. This isn't going to end well. Nikki swears she has an emergency and just runs out the door. Poor Margie looks overwhelmed. We then see Bill and Don staking out a corner, I guess, as a potential advertising venue. So they're counting cars, trying to see how much exposure they would get, I guess, with a billboard. And they're discussing the UEB and profit problem. Um... And, of course, as they're discussing Nikki's prophet father, she calls. And we see Bill answer on his super hip flip phone. Um, now, <laughs> I may pick on Bill for his flip phone, but I have to say, circa 2006, I had the exact same phone. And that was back when you got a cell phone free with a cell phone contract. And it was... You know, the super cool flip phone that they had at the time. It took super grainy photos. It had a little extendable antenna for better reception. And was there anything better than hanging up on someone with that snap? It was super satisfying. I don't know. You just don't get the same satisfaction pressing end on the call on my iPhone. But that's okay. I'd take that iPhone any day. Ah, memories. But I do hate that every picture I took, grainy as they were, was still stuck on that phone. You could delete them, but you couldn't export them. Maybe that's why I had to carry a separate, like, two-megapixel digital camera around uh, with me. Because, you know, I was high-tech at the time. So now that Nikki is driving down the street a la Cruella DeVille once again calling Bill and begging him for an advance as she's speeding down the highway. She needs an advance on her allowance. And it seems like Barb is not going to give in to Cruella in a denim skirt. So we'll see how she tries to figure this one out. So then we see Barb, who is reading to small children at her new semi-permanent job as a teacher. And they come in and offer her a permanent for the rest of the year position the next six weeks and you can tell Barb is thrilled to death we then see where Nikki was speeding to of course to her father she gives him a sob story about how her son was ill and she made a mistake when she was paying the bills and she sent the money to the wrong place and yada 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 whatever 
You could tell he doesn't totally believe her, but he always keeps that demure, like, flat affect, like, oh, I'm listening, my dear. Oh, my God. But you can see the wheels turning, too, like he's going to use this to his advantage. So he chastises her for her debt, but she assures him that, oh, Bill's aware. Her father knows her card was originally with a $500 limit, and he checks some paperwork in front of him and says, well, you now owe $6,000. And he says he needs to take himself off as the co-signer. And he says he's going to call Bill and let him know that, and he sees how flustered Nikki looks when he picks up the phone to call Bill, so he puts it down. And he hands her a check and tells her, oh, ask Bill how the new store is going. And then he says, oh, does he ever talk to you about the new store? How is it? And she just tells him, oh, no, Bill never tells me anything. Her father is so calculated. I feel like everything he did was to manipulate Nikki, and she wants his approval and attention so badly that she doesn't even see it and allows her dad to manipulate her. And her dad is just poking and prodding, looking for the tea. So back at Home Plus, we see Bill's brother, Joey, who comes in, I have to say, looking not too shabby. He's got on a suit and tie. It's an appropriate suit. It doesn't look like something that was you know, stolen from the props and costumes from Little House on the Prairie set. Um, It is a brown suit, though. What? Oh, God. I'm sorry. Just my own personal opinion. Gray suits? Yes. Black suits? Yes. Even lighter gray? Yes. Lighter tan? Yes. A la President Obama. Hello. That That suit was fabulous. Brown, like chocolate brown? No. Put it down. I'm sorry. No. Absolutely not. And the light gray, silvery gray, and the tan, only for summer wear. Do not put that on in December, unless you live in the Southern Hemisphere. So, he looks, Joey looks nice in the suit, and then comes in Miss Wanda who I think was trying to look nice, but we still scream Mankato. So, I don't know. Poor Wanda always looks disheveled. (laughs) The poor thing. And I don't... I don't know. I don't know if they're trying to say it's because they live on this compound. I don't know if they're trying to say it's because also it seems like Wanda has some psych issues. I don't know what we're trying to really portray, but I really hope it's not the psych issue thing because we don't generalize. Um, But maybe they're trying to say because she's not getting proper care. Like maybe she would be if she were, you know, mainstream living and, you know, going to hospitals and actual physicians. I don't know, but there's something about Wanda that just always makes me feel so bad for her. Like she's just... Everyone's trying to take care of her, everyone around her, but I feel like they just can't properly take care of her. I don't know. Poor Wanda. So anyways, the story is the prophet is making Joey go talk to elderly people, tell them about his time as a football player, show them his Super Bowl ring. Wow, how poor Joey has fallen. 
and then get them to write checks to support the UEB and donate. Ugh. What crap. I don't understand why Joey just doesn't go to his brother and say, Hey, can I have a job in one of your stores so Wanda and I can get an apartment and live on the outside and, you know what I mean, try to make a go of it. It's not like Joey doesn't have kind of a way out and a a way to get out. He has an exit strategy. He just has to, like, use it. But I don't understand why he won't. I don't know. Maybe he will. So, unfortunately, standing next to Joey, Wanda looks even more shabby. And basically, Joey just wants to know. He had given Bill's eldest son his Super Bowl ring. And now he needs it back because he needs to borrow it to take to this nursing home because if they shows the older people the Super Bowl ring, they're super impressed, and they will potentially write larger checks. Wow. Just unbelievable, and Roman is such a snake in the grass. So on that peachy note, we get back to poor Miss Margie, who, don't forget, not only has her own two kids, which she totally cannot handle, but she is saddled with Nikki's unruly brood. Um, and she's supposed to be sewing this costume. Um, am I the only one that thinks that Margie's version of sewing involves, like, a stapler? Um, I don't think she's sewing much. Like, I don't even think Margie knows that you can buy that, like, hem tape to that you just iron in between two pieces of fabric don't expect it to hold for like the next six years but it's going to get you through a day or two I don't even think Margie knows about that like that's how much she doesn't sew I think she's a let's staple your pants to get you a hem to get you through the day type and pray nobody sees the silver staples (laughs) on a side note I actually know someone who did that with their son's pants because they don't sew so go figure so As poor Margie's running around trying to get this costume to teeny at school, she sets off the alarms in the houses, which we knew was coming. Somebody was going to do it. Um, Now she can't find her keys. The alarm guy comes. It's just a mess. Um, I can't even go into everything that happened there, but she finally ends up getting a ride to the school um, and gets everything to teeny on time even if it's not exactly what she was told to acquire. Um, Poor Margie, I'm going to need her to get like a life coach slash mentor, somebody to teach this poor girl some life skills, some time management skills, organization. And not to toot my own horn, but me and my OCD would be glad to help. All I'm saying is, let me help you for a month or so, Margie, and you will be running that bitch. Margie girl, call me. And of course, no episode would be complete until we visit with Miss Sarah and her friend Heather. So these two are walking and talking. It looks like they're headed to work and talking about how Sarah became a polygamist. And she's like, no, no, not me. Just my parents. She then goes on to tell the how my family became polygamist story and tells Heather, quote, my mom got cancer and almost died. Dad just started believing in the principle again, I guess, and the next thing you know, he married Nikki. Mom's version is she started believing the principle too, and Sarah's version is she loved her dad too much and was afraid of losing him. That is 
My mom loved my dad too much and was afraid of losing him, so she just went along with the principal. So then we see Barb, who is super excited about this job offer, running into Bill's office and tells him that this, they offered her this six-week position until the end of the school year. And Bill gives her a hug and says he's happy for you, but you can tell it's like tempered happiness. Hmm. And he's like, oh, well, have you run it by Nikki and Margie yet? And she's like, no, I wanted to tell you first. I'm just excited. And he insists that he run it by the two of them and get their permission first. And you can see her deflate. Like, he just couldn't let her have it for five minutes. He just kind of sucked the joy out of the entire offer for her. You know, way to go, Bill. Can't you just let her be happy and proud of herself for five minutes for having something that is her own? She shares, like, every freaking thing in her life except for her damn underwear. So... Let her have this for a few minutes before you start interjecting. Well, did you ask your sister wives for their approval? Now, I don't have three wives, and far be it from me to tell you, Mr. Big Polygamist Man, what to do, but even I know enough to tell you, let them have their own successes without injecting sister wives into the moment. But, you know, whatever. So then we see Bill and Don discussing the UEB audit again in the office and the demands, not request. And basically, Don's like, you know, what can you do? And walks away and Bill's, you know, you can see him thinking about it. And the next thing you know, he pulls out a shotgun with a scope on it and starts playing with it in his office. Oh my God. Things that you would not see on TV in 2019, but seemed pretty innocuous at the time. So, yeah. Then he even stands up and aims it at something that we can't see off a camera. And I'm like, wow. Not appropriate for the office. So we see that Sarah and Heather have finally made it to work. And we see the girls discussing some recent sports ball game. I don't know. I don't do sports. And Heather calls one of the other girls, Donna, a whore. Okay. Again, this was 2006. Heather, girl, we do not slut shame. I don't care how perfect girl Mormon you are. It is not appropriate to shame other women. Nor is it, can I say, appropriate to be discussing their lives and calling each other a whore while there's customers there and they are literally actively working. It's not like it's the end of the night and they're closed up and talking while they mop floors. Like, what the hell is that? I don't know. It seems like a volatile workplace. And why do I feel like in 2019, those people, the customers would be totally complaining? So then we see Nikki finally come home. Now let's recap real quick. Didn't Nikki just sit in front of her father, beg for money, and didn't she just get calls from the bank about missed loan payments this morning? Right, that Nikki? Okay, so why does she come home in the afternoon, hands full of shopping bags? She must have been carrying at least four bags. And Barb tells her how Teeny was humiliated because she had an unfinished costume and it was all Nikki's fault. And now the neighbors are getting suspicious about Nikki and Barb says from now on, Nobody comes to these houses in prairie costumes. Oh, that's it. No. Nikki is pissed. 
And she's like, if we're making rules, fine. I'm making a rule. Um, <laughs> okay. So Nikki's rule is first wives don't get to run off, constantly pushing off their responsibilities on second wives anymore. And of course, we have poor little Margie, like the little mouse in the corner, and she chirps up. Second wives can't sleep with third wives' husbands in third wives' own bedrooms. And now that this argument slash discussion is officially out of hand, <laughs> Barb said everyone needs to calm down and it's not the spirit of who we are. But why is there like a glimmer in Barb's face for just a moment? Almost as if she's like happy to see Nikki and Margie arguing and kind of happy that Margie still has not gotten over completely the whole, you know, in her bed with Bill thing. I feel like Barb is kind of happy that that's still being held against Nikki. The all-seeing eye of Barb. So dinner, of course, is uncharacteristically quiet that night. And Teeny, I don't know where this character has been, like, the entire show. But all of a sudden, this episode should not be titled Eclipse. It should be entitled, like, Teeny Finally Speaks. Because what the heck? Um, She says the eclipse is a bad omen. And Bill discusses how tomorrow is his hunting outing for he and Ben. And Bill's not going to be shooting anything because it's all about Ben. And then he then surprises Ben with a rifle. I think it's the same one that Bill was playing with in his office. And no one bats an eye as Ben comes running into the dining room carrying this rifle to thank his dad. Kind of like swinging it around with the whole family there. I'm like, oh, again. 2006 versus 2019. There's how many little kids are on that table, and he's just like, no big deal. Nikki, later on that evening, confides in Bill that her dad asked how the new store is going and that she told him, Bill doesn't discuss business with me. And Bill just kind of, okay, nods and okay, but you can tell he's mulling it over. I'm interested to see if Nikki is going to be her father's little mole. Which, let's face it, she's primed for it because she wants daddy's attention. Daddy's attention versus your husband's attention, I don't know. With Nikki, I'm not sure which one would rule out. So the next day is Bill, Ben, Don, and Don's son head into the woods for their hunting trip. They stand in a circle and pray for God to bless Ben's new rifle and to make the deer's death quick and painless. Excuse me while I rub my temples for a minute. Okay, we're just going to leave that one alone. And then we see Nikki, who has sequestered herself in her bedroom with the television on, and she's on the phone with none other than the queen of finance, one Miss Susie Orman. Okay, we'll talk a little bit more about Susie Orman in a bit. But um, interesting, I think this is the first cameo we've seen on this show. So Nikki has called into Susie's show and is asking for advice on credit card debt. And so Susie's like, okay, so how much do you have? And Nikki says, um, about 20,000. And Susie's like, are you sure it's 20? And Nikki, oh, maybe 30. And you can tell, Susie can tell that she's very noncommittal about it. And Susie is very direct. And she says, hey, if you are not aware of the exact amount of credit card debt, That means you're probably hiding it from someone. You're hiding it from your husband and yourself. And you owe it. You owe it to him to be honest. 
So Susie ends the phone call by telling Nikki she is not happy with her and Nikki needs to be honest with herself about the total amount of credit card debt that she has. Uh, Susie Orman is one of those who doesn't pull any punches. So it seems like maybe this is some sort of like wake up call for Nikki. Like Susie kind of took her by the shoulders and shook her. And so you see Nikki begin pulling shoe boxes out from under the bed and when she has hidden under clothing in her drawers and she starts adding up the total she owes. Um, I was trying to see if the little calculator she was using was smoking because, oh my God, this girl had bills at the wazoo. I would be super paranoid and like anxious every day the mail came. But I am proud of Nikki. This is like the first step is admitting to yourself and actually adding up and looking at the number. And I mean, admitting to herself that this is a problem. But then step two is going to be being honest with the other people in her life, which for Nikki in a polygamous relationship involves two wives and a husband. Good luck with that, girl. Um, and to this point, it seems like Nikki's life is kind of the epitome of shove it under the bed, shove it under the rug, and forget about it. So the grand total per the smoking calculator is $58,688. And poor Nikki seems almost in shock at the actual total. She stands up, and she had had paper spread all over her bed. As she's doing this calculation, she just pulls the comforter over the paperwork and walks away. She walks into the bathroom. Like, almost like she can't even handle it herself. We then see Miss Sarah home from work, and she casually asks her mom in the kitchen, Hey, Mom, um, how exactly did you guys get into polygamy? Like, how did you accept it? How long did you take to accept it? And, you know, what exactly is the story with that? And she'd just been thinking about it and just wanted to know. Um, and Barb tells her, well, it was a gradual thing. And Sarah also wants to know, well, how did Roman get control of the compound? So Barb tells her the story, quote, Roman was your great-grandfather Orville's accountant. After the raids in the 50s, Orville set up the UEB and Roman manipulated the shares of the UEB. I'm not really sure how he did it, but he tricked Orville and was able to vote him out. It was like a hostile takeover. Roman took Orville's land and most of his wives and left your dad's family poor as dirt. I want you to remember that we are not those people and we will never be if that's what this is all about. Can we just focus on that comment, took his land and took his wives? Taking your land is taking property, essentially. Taking your wives, that is a term that I have heard used in reference to polygamy. Reassigning your wives to someone else, taking wives. And that screams to me that property. Take your house, take your land, take your car, take your wives. All of those things are property. So women are being treated as chattel. Yet these people also proclaim that they are married in the eyes of God forever. Seal. What? Wait, wait, wait. You're married in the eyes of God forever? 
yet on some profit, quote unquote, profit's whim, you can be taken from your spouse, to whom you're married forever, correct? And given to somebody else, reassigned? Okay. Yeah, we won't drag too much out of the closet here because the more you look at, the crazier it sounds. Yay, religion. So then we see Margie come in and tell Barb that she has been to Nikki's house numerous times that day and Nikki will not come out of the bathroom. So she and Barb go running over and they attempt to get Nikki to come out of the bathroom. They're banging, they're yelling. And after a few minutes, the only thing that gets Nikki to open the door is a threat to call 911. So it looks like she just got out of the shower and she said, I just needed some peace and quiet. So of course, everybody files into the bathroom with Nikki and she still, her voice is just, acid when she's talking to Barb and she's telling Barb you absolutely cannot take that job so now we have a fight in the bathroom Nikki claims that all of the wives are equal and Barb shoots back equals you treat Marjean like she's your maid so Nikki's like well I got her a stereo and you know like in my defense and Barb wants to know well where'd you get the money for that and of course that just inflames Nikki and she Screams, money, money, money. That's all anybody around here cares about. And Barb says, well, I guess you don't care then that you won't be getting your advance on next month's allowance. And poor Margie tries to play peacemaker, but Nikki is like all in for this fight and chastises Barb for her classes at the university two nights a week and weekends with the Cancer Society and Beehive Village. And now it's time for a full-time job. Barb tells Nikki she's spiteful it's only six weeks and she is taking the job. And furthermore, all of her money goes into the family accounts and the community pot, so she shouldn't complain. All of this drama and everybody starts, you know, storming out of the bathroom and little Margie, what job? Poor thing, she's always so out of the loop. So then we see Barb, Margie, and Teeny all standing in the yard or, let's face it, like everything in this show, it's reminiscent of Mankato. It's like a dirt road from Mankato that stands in for their backyard. So they're standing in the dust to watch the eclipse. And meanwhile, poor Sarah is stuck at a party with Donna, the girl from work. And you can tell that Sarah is totally out of her element. She just wants to go home. Um, so as she goes out in front because Donna's not ready to go home yet, she lays on the grass and is looking up at the eclipse and who should show up and eclipse Sarah's view of the eclipse but Heather. <laughs> of course. So Heather sits down on the lawn and lets drunk Sarah lay on her lap and is like, what did you drink? And Sarah's like, no alcohol, but I did drink two eight-ounce bottles of cough syrup. Girl, what? Like, I realize I'm no longer a teenager and that's a little bit in my rearview mirror, but cough syrup, really? Teenagers are crazy. I can't handle to take cough syrup if I'm coughing off a lung, but whatever. So in her stupor, Sarah tells Heather, please, you can never tell another soul about my family. I just want people to think I'm normal with one mom and one dad, and that's it. And Heather swears she will never tell. You know, Heather is a little pious and self-righteous, and, you know, she is always vying for the title of Perfect Mormon Girl of the Year all day, every day. 
But she really is a good friend, I think, deep down. And I really think she's good for Sarah. I think Sarah needs somebody like that in her life. So, as a side note, I said we would get back to Susie Orman. So she is a personal finance expert. She has written countless books, um, and she has a television show. She does appearances on shows like Morning News Shows and Oprah, you know, Today Show type thing. Um, and one of her areas of expertise is women in finance. Um, you know, with the gender pay gap, with, you know, a lot of women being single moms and that sort of thing, there are sometimes special circumstances when it comes to women in finance. Um, and that happens to be kind of her specialty. So another note, the Beehive Society is mentioned by Nikki as something that Barb participates in. Um, my friend Google did not give me any specific information. All it did was give me general Beehive stuff in the Mormon church. So if anybody has some insight on that, let me know because I'm nosy and I want to know what it is. So the drama recap. Bill is having some sort of like existential crisis with all of these bad dreams and now he's vowed to quote go after Roman. Bill, don't you have enough shit in your life that you don't need to take on some crazy vendetta? Like, what are you doing? I don't know. I think Bill kind of likes having drama in his life and having it complicated. Maybe it's just me. Barb, we don't even have to recap her drama. We just know that she's trying to make some sort of life of her own outside of this family, but is getting pushed back. But also, let's point out, Barb is the only educated wife, educated beyond high school. Um, you know, she went to university. Um, she has a, a career or is trying to have a career. Um, and also her children are older. All of her kids are in school. I don't think that any of Nikki's kids are in school. Margie's definitely are not. So Barb is at the point where she can have a little more freedom. But what's holding her back are the sister wives. So Barb needs to figure that out and maybe, I don't know, learn how to handle her business without relying on the sister wives so they can't complain. I don't know. But something's got to give there because, girl, I feel you. Nikki, Nikki, Nikki. Let's face it, her grip on her finances is tenuous at best, but she is seriously losing control of the financial situation, and this is not going to end well. Her dad sees it. He knows she's losing control. He doesn't want to help. He just wants to take advantage of the situation and use it to his advantage. Um, you know, essentially trying to get Nikki to be a spy and spy on her husband and his business. Super shady, and how shitty of her dad. And Margie, poor Margie. She's always out of the loop, always the last one to know, and she just wants everybody to get along. Good luck with that girl. Oh, and she doesn't want to babysit Nikki's kids. Girl, same. And Sarah, I think, has finally realized that Heather is her best friend, and Heather really is true blue. And like I said, I really think that Heather is good for her. She is somebody that Sarah needs in her life. So we shall see how that one ends. So that's it for Big Love Season 1, Episode 4, Eclipse. Um, join us next time for another snarky review. Um, we will continue on episode by episode with, of Big Love. Um, 
And, you know, we'll have some movies thrown in here or there. Lately, I've been really focusing on a lot of 80s movies because they're super fun to rewatch. One of my favorites is to look at the tech that we thought was fabulous at the time and just, you know, amazing. Um, that now seems so antiquated, but it got us to where we are now. Um, so, until next time, um, find us on all of the podcast platforms. Um, subscribe, leave a review. Um, if you have any suggestions, constructive criticism, movies and shows I should be watching, let me know. Email at retrocinemareviewpod at gmail.com. Um, find us on Instagram, Twitter, and until next time, if you don't have anything nice to say, come sit next to me. Bye.